Welcome, this is Josh Rees with Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. For more information about our church, please visit our website, milehighchurch.org. And so, continuing uh, this series on trust and how trust is the key to unlocking possibility, I'd like to begin with a quote from my favorite book, my favorite text on trust uh, from the ancient Chinese, the Tao Te Ching. Be content with what you have. Rejoice in the way things are. When you realize nothing is lacking, the whole world belongs to you. Simple, profound, and in my personal experience, almost completely impossible <laughs> to do. <laughs> you know, and why, why is that? Why is that? You know, it's clear. Be content. Rejoice. The what is clear, but the how isn't. And the how for me is all about trust. You know, there's this kind of tension I have. Maybe you have it too. It's this ongoing tension between who I really am and how I show up in the world, right? And, and the, the, the tension is all about trust. Can I come to the place where I so trust in my being in this present moment, in my life, that I can be who I'm really here to be, to have that contentment, to rejoice, to know that the world belongs to me and I belong to it. Trust helps us to understand that there's everything in our being is leading us to a better experience of here and now. I love the biological theory of of homeostasis which generally explains, says that it's the very nature of your body to be healthy, to be well. That even when you have a stomach ache, when you're sick or not feeling well, it's actually your body working, trying to get you back to a place of well-being. Isn't that good to know? I also believe that there's a kind of psychological homeostasis. The great teacher of meditation, Krishnamurti, once said, it is the nature of your mind to be clear. This was another simple and profound statement to me because when I think of my mind racing all sorts of different places trying to solve problems, I can also pause and realize uh, my mind's just getting clear. You know, even when the only thing I'm clear about is how confused I am, it's trying to bring me back present so I can think clearly. You know, you ever have one of those regrets in your day and you're, you're going to bed at night and you keep replaying it over and over in your head and all of a sudden you don't just remember that negative experience but all these other incomplete experiences coming back and all of a sudden I'm remembering something dumb I did in middle school 25 years ago and it's like, why is that happening? Because it's the nature of our minds to be clear, to come present, to trust in this present moment again. Uh, I also believe that there is a spiritual homeostasis. It is the nature of your spirit to thrive. To thrive. To experience love and freedom in the present moment. And it's interesting to think that all the feelings that I feel, good or bad, 
are all my spirit's way of trying to lead me back to a place of thriving in love and in freedom in the present moment. Everything for me, nothing against me. And and so what does it mean to bring all of these together? You know, Gandhi put it this way. He said, happiness is when what you think, what you say, and how you act are in harmony. But that, that means trust to me. Trust in my body. Trust in my mind. Trust in my spirit to bring me into the present moment, the intimacy of now, fully. This is what the mystics have called a unified experience. This is what athletes call being in the zone. In everyday life, we call it living in the flow or being dialed in. But that's what it is. It's full trust in life, in ourselves, and in the world around us. It's not easy to maintain, but it's possible. We can do it. And it's this intimacy of now, this most beautiful aspect of life that's right here and right now for the taking for all of us if we would just learn to trust and show up and be present to it. I remember, uh, it'll be four years next month, I can't believe it, it was my last Sunday at my last congregation, the Seal Beach Center for Spiritual Living, and I just loved those people so much. It was the, my final service there, and I was kind of an emotional wreck. Uh, the, car, the car was packed, all ready to come here to this new adventure. And um, it was a beautiful day, and there was a long line of people uh, saying hello, and someone I really respected there, a gentleman in his mid-80s named Larry, he um, pulled me aside and he said, can I give you some advice, Josh? I said, okay. He said, don't be afraid to be intimate with people. Hmm. Don't be afraid to be intimate with people. And, and at first, it was kind of like, I can't be more intimate than I am right now. It's such an emotional, <laughs> bearing day. But then I realized it was, a, it was a God message for me. It was one of those God-spirit messages because I knew in coming here I was almost making a greater commitment to to ministry. I was stepping into it in a a greater way. And there was a struggle I was having and it had to do with meeting some of the uh, seasoned ministers in California and finding that they sometimes, this isn't true of all of them at all, uh, but sometimes they could express a lot of intimacy in public, but in private or one-on-one, there was like this wall. There was this disconnect that could sometimes go into their personal lives as well. And I was scared of that. I didn't, I didn't want that. And, and so this little bit of advice, it really helped me to not be afraid to be intimate, to have boundaries, right? To have professionalism, but to not be afraid to be intimate. And so I had an affirmation that I, I've been using since. It goes, I am becoming more and more intimate with now. I am becoming more and more intimate with now. You want to say that with me? I am becoming more and more intimate with now. And I even have a, a, a creed for my job, and it goes like this. I want to practice unguarded honesty and professional intimacy. Unguarded honesty and professional intimacy. I don't want to be weird about it. I just want to be loving and connect and genuine. Because as we talked about a little bit last week, where I'm in trust Where I'm being genuine, I'm energized. Where I'm in distrust, I'm flat. I'm drained. I can't find the energy for moving forward. Uh, I love something uh, the great poet and writer Oriah Mountain Dreamer said. 
Uh, she wasn't born Oriah Mountain Dreamer. She was just a, a nice white girl from Ohio. I think she lives in Canada now. And she had a dream where the name Oriah was revealed to her, and she worked with a shaman later on who gave her the, the name of Mountain Dreamer, such Oriah Mountain Dreamer. And she wrote a powerful epic poem called The Invitation that any spiritual, spiritually dialed young woman that I knew in the 90s and early 2000s could recite it by heart. It was a big, it was a big deal. And she said something really powerful to me. She says, this is what I ache for. Intimacy with myself, others, and the world. Intimacy that touches the sacred in all that is life. And I read that and I said, yes, that is what I want. And I invite you to ask yourself today, what do you really want? Is it more stuff? Is it accolades? Is it maintaining your life as much as you can from change or transformation because it's sometimes painful and difficult? Or is it a greater degree of intimacy with yourself, with the people you love, with the sacred that is in all of life? That's what I want. Is that what you want too? Yeah. And it's so funny getting back to that tension between who I really am and how I show up because as much as I want that intimacy, there's part of me that's just as much scared to death of it, right? Isn't that strange sometimes how the thing you want the most can also be the thing you're most afraid of? And it's almost like so many of us, because of distrust, we build this defense mechanism against being present, against coming into now into a greater way. We distrust Sometimes the people we love, we can distrust life and God, we can distrust ourselves, and we can get lost in the process when all that's being called for isn't to go blindly 100% trust in anything, that's naive, but to slowly open our hearts to come back to love again, to come back to depth again, to come back to the sacred in all that is again. I had the honor of working with a, a member of our congregation a year or so ago. And all that she wanted in her life at that moment was a greater degree of intimacy with her husband. Romantic intimacy, yes, but just feeling connected. She said, I've been married to this man for 10 years. And we sleep next to each other every night and there's infinite universes between us. <laughs> you know, there's this sense of disconnection and she honestly had trust issues. She knew it. Trust issues with, with life trust issues with herself, uh, trust issues with other people, particularly men, and, and uh, past experiences with her partner. And so as much as she wanted to give the key to her heart to her husband to open it, to connect again, you know, one stupid thing he said or something could come up and it would just cause her to swallow the key. And, and see, when we're in distrust, we refuse to feel. When we're in a place of distrust, we don't say love, we say stop love. We don't say growth, we say stop growth. We don't say intimacy, we stand on the outside looking in at it. And for you, it may not be with your partner, it could be in some area of your life, but I invite you to be honest with yourself and to say where in my life am I called to nurture and cultivate greater trust? And this is how we do it. First, honesty. We have to be honest with ourselves. 
this means for so many of us admitting distrust. Distrust is not a negative. It's not a bad thing. Usually there's a reason we're distrusting. But we have to make a choice in our lives. Do I want to stay still or do I want to grow? Do I want to stay separated from life or do I want that intimacy of now? And again, we don't have to go 100% trusting into everything. We just have to be willing to do those little things that build trust again, especially with our own heart. One of my favorite teachers is the therapist and counselor, Carl Rogers. And Carl Rogers also said something very simple yet profound for me. He said that the, the purpose of counseling, the purpose of therapy is to help the client learn to trust in themselves, learn to trust in their own being. Isn't that simple but profound? Yes. I thought it was to help make me not feel so crazy. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was help, to, or if I am crazy, just to keep in boundaries so other people don't see how crazy I am, <laughs> right? Or to help me process traumas, to help me be better in relationships, all these things, and, and I do. I think therapy does that. But how profound to simply recognize that what I'm learning to do in conversation with someone who I can trust or in life is to learn to trust myself. And this was powerful reading it at, what, 27 years old, a newly minted minister. And to be honest with you, I had the trust in God, the trust in spirit, you know, not down completely, but pretty good. You know, I trust in spirit. I trust in God, but not so much in other areas. You know, there was part of me that learned in my life, don't trust your body, it has weird urges. <laughs> Watch it. You know, don't, don't trust, your, don't trust your, your mind, that's where the ego is. That's where your monkey mind is, like a monkey can't think clearly, I don't know how that works. But it's this, this separation, and, and, and don't get me wrong, because we have to have discernment with our mind and our body, especially when they're disconnected with our spirit. We need to have a healthy level of distrust as we're growing that faith in spirit and in God. But what Rogers taught me is I can take that faith in spirit, where before I would say I trust in the process, but not in people. I trust in spirit, but perhaps not in myself. And I can now embrace my body as a spiritual expression. I can actually embrace other people as spiritual expressions. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, he says, above all things, we must know definitely and consistently that the universe is for us and not against us. It's a powerful affirmation, right? The universe is for me and not against me. Say it with me. The universe is for me and not against me. And when we, ask our, when we state that, we should ask ourselves, when I say universe, do I mean something abstract? Or do I mean everyone and everything in it? Right? Here's a good, good, good trust test for these affirmations. You know, the universe is for me and not against me. But how about this? My body is for me and not against me. Can you say that? My body is for me and not against me. Right? When I have a stomach ache, I don't need to rush to the metaphysical uh, cookbook to find out what's wrong in my consciousness. I can listen to it. I can be present to it and ask what it wants to know. How about this one? My mind is for me and not against me. My mind is for me and not against me. I'm distracted, lots of stuff coming up. Can I, can I trust 
that even that distraction, if I just listen to what I'm trying to tell myself, even when I'm in a place of distrust, uh, maybe there's a message for me. Maybe all my thoughts aren't so negative, actually, but maybe there's a goodness that's trying to get through to them. Here's another one. My feelings are for me and not against me. Even the challenging ones. My sexuality is for me and not against me. My sexuality is for me and not against me. My intuition is for me and not against me. And you, you can see where this could get interesting, <laughs> this exercise. I'm going to pause it now, but think about that because you can find those places where there's, there's distrust, where you're called to step back in again. And I will say as a, a minister, what I want for each and every one of you is to learn to trust in your spirit and your mind and your body, to realize how sacred and what a gift each is and that you are indeed just magnificent as you are and maybe it's time to start expressing it and shining it more greatly in your life. So building trust begins with honesty. And then, for me, it's about learning to feel whatever is present there to feel. And this is why so many of us build so many defense mechanisms against now. Because to be now is to have to face myself. To be now is to have to face the feelings that are present here. Sometimes it's grief or loss. Sometimes it's hurt. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's just a love that just feels overwhelming. I can't handle it. See, that's the thing about the present is it, it demands vulnerability. It demands the willingness to change, you know, which for someone like me who likes to live under the illusion that he's right all the time is difficult to do, <laughs> to be present. It demands that, that newfound love. And, and here's the thing, back to this homeostasis idea. Can we trust that every feeling we have, even the most negative or painful ones, that if we feel them in the present, that they are ultimately all designed to bring us back to love, to bring us into a greater degree of being in intimacy with now. My heroes these days are the, the people of this congregation. You know, my greatest joy and really my only job is to represent your wisdom when I'm up here the best I can and I'm sorry when I fail. And, you know, when you imagine the Mile High congregant, someone outside looking in and they might say, oh, they're very, you know, happy-go-lucky people, very positive-minded, maybe look a little too much at the world with rose-colored glasses, honky-dory, you know, happy, all that kind of stuff, and, and, and they're missing something really important when they do that. And, and that is the, the truth that the people of this congregation are whole people living whole lives. They are faith-tested, hope-tested, love-tested individuals. You are faith-tested, hope-tested, love-tested. And it, do it doesn't take much more than looking into the eyes of some of our folks here to see the type of challenges you've overcome, the type of challenges that you've walked through. And I'm just going to share one example, someone who's a hero to me today. Her name is uh, Kathy Quinn. She's a practitioner here. And uh, I love Kathy. And uh, Kathy, I knew she was going to be writing this book, but she gave me around Christmas time a, a book that she had written. And it's called Healed by a Silent 
heart. Healed by a silent heart. Uh, the cover was by Colleen Nelson, another one of our incredible practitioners. Uh, and it's available on Amazon. Our bookstore is not open yet, so you can get it there. And um, it's not a happy-go-lucky story. It, it's Kathy finding the courage within herself to share with us the story of having a stillbirth. She's 22 years old, on her due date with her son Jason, she goes to the doctor who can't find a heartbeat on the baby. And she loses that child. And in the midst of her suffering and her pain and in her hurt, unbearable to imagine, the people and the world around her so can't handle that feeling that they want to dismiss it away as soon as possible. Her, the doctor can't handle it in the room. Her husband can't handle it. The people around her can't handle it, and it causes her to, to feel shame and like she needs to shut down. She goes back for a checkup, and she shares, my husband said, that's enough. You're done now. The doctor diagnosed there is no sign of problems or abnormalities. The nurse summarized, just go on and get over this. That is what women do. And she shares, the lid on the casket that was now my body slammed shut. And I, I think all of us in our own ways go through experiences that make our body feel like a casket and make us want to shut down. And it takes immense courage. And for Kathy, it took a lifelong learning journey of courage to be with those feelings of loss, the feeling of pain, and to work through it to a point that it led her ultimately, in my interpretation, to her greatest spiritual realization. She would come to be a part of Mile High Church here. She would come to develop a relationship with her spirit guide, Mother Mary. But it's as if you can line that feeling, that feeling of immense loss, the courage to confront it, to look it right in the eye, to feel it, no matter what other people were saying around you, to process through it and to be whole, to find wholeness, even in that immense experience of brokenness, and to come through a stronger, brighter light, willing to share such an intimate, private, terrible experience with people, to give them that message that even in such a difficulty, you can find and discover a greater love. She shares, sourced by shame for so long, it now makes sense why it was so easy for me to fall back into patterns of brokenness. Now I choose to be sourced by love, a love that is without condition, a love that even in my self-imposed darkness is an eternal flame patiently waiting for me to open my mind and heart to its presence, a love that whispers to me, choose love, my daughter, choose love. And uh, Kathy's here somewhere today. There you are, Kathy. Thank you. Just another person in a seat, but just like you, with a powerful story of discovering a real trust-tested love and understanding of life. So be honest with yourself. Learn to develop the courage to feel what is yours to feel. And then you can start inviting the intimacy of now back into your life again.
back into your relationships, back into your work, back into your spiritual practices. It's a, it's a brick by brick thing. It's not all at once. And, and it's then that we can experience that intimacy that we're looking for, that sense of deep connection, that sense of real life, that sense of a profound love that inspires us in our journeys. And it's the stuff that can start healing those relationships that have not broken, perhaps have felt malfunctioning for a long time. You see, our soul contracts, as we might call them, which I simply mean to be our soul connections with people, they have a homeostasis too. And it's good to pause, no matter the drama, no matter the events, and to say, even in conflict or drama with this person, it all exists to bring us back to a state of love and mutual respect. Let's drop the drama and get back to that love by slowly building that trust to say, what will it take for me to love again? What will it take to love myself again? What will it take to love life again? And inviting that in, in a way that results in greater healing, greater inspiration, and to the ending of that tension between who we really are and how we keep showing up. Our heart becomes an opening for our real and true selves to come through. So having a prayer together, if you care to join me and just move into that place of deep and profound knowing, how wonderful it is to know that there is a divine, sacred presence that's conscious of me, even though I may at times be unconscious of it. Knowing that this divine life is an endless wellspring of understanding, of depth, and of love that is indeed holding and uplifting us always. And may each of us this day let down any defense that would distrust this divine life even if we have evidence through the pain of experience that might want to deny it. Let's allow it to continue to open our hearts, to nurture our bodies, to inspire our minds, and to heal our relationships in such a way that we can live in alignment with that divine pattern, knowing we don't have to choose to live out of alignment with it one more day. Knowing that as we continue to build trust, we unlock the possibilities that God, the divine, have in mind and heart for us. And so being open through this spiritual practice of deeper and more profound trust, we enter into the intimacy of now and know that everything else that needs to be done, the healing, the prosperity, the forgiveness, the acceptance, the release, is all a byproduct of this simple yet most profound relationship that there is. Our whole self united with our whole life. Letting that healing begin, we give great thanks. And so it is. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.